just when that song was getting good, you fade out. Oh, my goodness. John, <laughs> Calm down. John and Sophie here. Yeah, that's John Hefflebauer and Sophie Hefflebauer. But obviously, I'm the more important one. And that was Chumba Wumba. No, Dad, it's Chumba Wumba. Yeah, but that doesn't rhyme with Bubba. Chum- I want to go Chumba Wumba Bubba. Chumba Wumba Bumba. <laughs> That's it. That's an epic name. Bumba. When you're saying when you're when you when you when you're making the chicken, you're when you're when you're making the you're when you're making the fish, and you're like Spin chumba out. wumba bumba. <laughs> I was at a restaurant once, and I was going, okay, I'll have the burger, the fries, and some chumba wumba on the side. <laughs> I would also like some bumba on that chumba wumba. Bumba. I went bumba on my chumba wumba. Hey, we got a great show, and I want to have shouting out to the people watching us on YouTube. And if you're doing it, you have a special place in my heart. You have a special place in my heart. You're the servant. I'm the throne. We've got a great interview today. We've got the writer and director from Jane Wants a Boyfriend. It's so good. It's so good. I know that no one has seen it yet except for the people that were at um, the film festival in Napa. But Except it's good. for it's good. Was it at any other film festivals or just ours? Oh, I'm sure it was somewhere. <laughs> the kids are no, from, but it's they're so from New York. Freaking cool. Something was they were in New York and they won awards and they're all good and and so so here's today's show. We've got of course a the our YouTuber Sophie going to we're going to talk about. I'm uh, not a YouTuber. <laughs> oh, stop. Sandwiches with Sophie. Don't correct me in front of everybody. I'm so embarrassed. We've got a great <laughs> interview today. We have John's. He says, queuing the engineer. Rant of the week. Rant of the week. You have to say it like that, like a game show host. Do it again. Rant of the week. God, that was so weak. Rant of the week. All right. So I I bombed Chumbawamba. And I, I palm the rant. But you just can do nothing wrong. I you can just, do, you could just do nothing wrong. Even I'm messing up. Yeah. <laughs> I washed my feet today and I can't do anything. Okay, so. That makes, okay, fine. We're being really loud because our whole our whole audio thing is like, you're in the red. You're in the red. Calm down. We're excited. Because we're excited. <laughs> no reason. And so let's go to you. Being the sandwiches with Sophie girl. You know what? You, you, you know what? I, I, hold on, hold on. You didn't hear it, but we just left, and it, there was a reason because I wanted to figure this out because I wanted a sound effect for my thing. He has a thing, I get a thing. You're, this is my thing. Sandwiches with Sophie. Sounds like an alien. I like it. <laughs> I love it. Hello, I sound. Hello, welcome to the. Chamber of Secrets? Harry Potter's here, too. He died. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting from her basement. (laughs) And now... Now, actually, sandwich with Sophie. Okay. Um, uh, Okay. So we're starting out with... um, Oh, we're starting out with a sandwich, which I don't have. I mean, today I had a grilled cheese with uh, challah because it's Hanukkah. But does that count? Because we had that for the last podcast. Does it count? It Can bean, I count it? You got a bean soup. Okay. Never mind. Move on. Was, I, was that a joke that I was supposed to get? Soup with Sophie. Oh. It's a, it's alliteration. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with um, Phil's on Fire 7, Pinoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It came out like, like, 
feels like it's been forever, but it's probably only been like a week or a half or something, something, something. It also felt like it happened yesterday. It simultaneously feels like it was yesterday and 300 years ago. I'm nodding my head like I know what you're talking about, but go ahead. Um, basically, it was all... It's everything that you needed for this year's installment of their yearly obviously <laughs> their yearly q a that's just great and if you if you wait, go okay do me a favor watch the first one and then watch the seventh one and then just explode because that's what you'll do when you do that for people who have no clue of what you're talking about what oh is- right i forgot that people don't know who those people are dan is on fire and amazing phil dan howell and phil lester dan and daniel james howell and phil michael lester both youtubers both awesome and uh they do a yearly uh q a video that's been going on for seven years <sighs> okay um next is um sam pooper or sam pepper if you want to be like all nice um because he isn't that's my story um cool story bro but um basically he did another just bad thing uh he basically staged this kidnapping and basically emotionally traumatized a person and breaking someone should not involve traumatizing someone i think not yeah also he posted directly after he was like why is everybody talking about triggering oh i just i once saw someone got mur- get murdered by a banana or he said something ridiculous and i was just like and then his next tweet, w- and then his next tweet was "trigger" is such a funny word, and I was like, "You can't see it, but I'm doing like a choking thing with my hands." Also, I can do a choke. Okay, <coughs> sorry. Like an anime choke. It's like, thank you. An anime choke. Have you ever listened to anime and just been like, um, also, um, also later he posts this thing he posts this poll and it says and it says sue me and it's like, on twitter you know how you can do a poll to see what people like better and it said dan or phil and he was like "Ooh, this is gonna be great and there's gonna stir up drama but he is just a little idiot and he, we had it and it was 50 50 the final result was 50 50 and then someone and all the comments were just telling him about what a horrible person he was because he kind of is do you remember the thing that the scandal from like last year 50 50 there's a rule in the dan and phil world where you're not allowed to um say whether if you like dan or phil better because it's like an offense like oh. you get killed by the fandom gotcha <laughs> So so it's like it's like a rule you're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to. And you're not a say it's we don't talk about it. <laughs> I'm perfectly safe because I don't watch either, but okay. I will still kill you if you say that you like either one of them or TBH. Um but uh it was 50/50 and we were like ha ha and then someone in the comments was like w- w- said sue me and they made their own poll and it, it said Sam Pepper or a trash can. It was 90 and the final result was 93% trash can and 7% Sam Pepper and I was just like yay. Honestly, I'm so happy. Also, here's another thing. I haven't been... We haven't done this podcast in a little while. It's been a few weeks, so a lot happened. Um, Dan and Phil's address got leaked. It, at first, it got censored for some reason. For, for good, it got censored. And then... Um, and then 
like a few days later it, all, it got all uncensored so everyone knew their address and i don't know what happened to that because people just stopped talking about it and i don't know if if they if dan and phil said anything or if it just went away because they ignored it just think how many christmas cards they're gonna get i'm pretty sure they're not gonna get christmas cards they're gonna get is there such a thing as stocking cards so I think that might be it. Oh, the story is that there was this girl that kept uh, that kept showing up at this coffee shop that Phil went to all the time, and he pulled and it, he, it happened like every day for a few weeks. She wanted to fill a fill, <laughs> and he pulled and he pulled her aside and said, I- "I'm sorry, but if you keep doing this, then I'm going to call the police." And then and then she like, it's awful. <laughs> and then she like posted the their address online. Because he fo- she followed them home. Get a life. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm following Dan and Phil. Um, on, really? Not just on Twitter. Uh, Please. <laughs> no, but like that's really messed up, and don't do that to a person. Thanks. Unless it's Pete's coffee, and then you have you're, you can be there legitimately any time. Hey, somebody actually is like waving at us. Okay. All right. Not true. It's just a notification. It's a notification. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then um. All the. All the link. All. <coughs> Why do I keep doing that? All the links you'll ever need. I don't have a time for like a good tune today. I'm tired. <laughs> I did a test. <laughs> My brain's fried. The show must go on. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, for Twitter, you can find us at 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 Napa Media Mania uh, which is if you can't spell that I really I really I really hope you can and then um, or you can find me at 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 Sophie Hefley which is a you can do it I'm, I'm rooting for you here at Sophie Hefley which is S-O-P-H-L-Y H-E-F-L-Y or you can find us on Instagram at Napa Media Mania spelled the same way mm-hmm like um. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a us. mess. You I'm can, a mess. You can find those on. Yeah, but me, I think we should go on. Also, once when I was, oh, can I tell a little story? Sure. I. Okay, so my dad and I were at ABC Bakery today. Is this awesome place in uh, in, uh, in Napa, California? And um, my dad. Um, the guy next to me, the guy you're listening to, the the one over there. He um, he, we were leaving, and he goes, "I was trying to know. I was trying to figure out what was different about people, but then I realized they're all wearing sweaters, coats, coats." I was like, "Okay." It was cold. Also, can I make you? Can we're I make California? You, also, can I make you do a seven second challenge? Sure. Okay. A seven-second challenge was created by Amazing Phil, by the way, because he needs credit. Credit. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Dad? Yes? The thing nearest to you is the reason for your death. Tell the story in a British accent in seven seconds. Well. One. British. Two. I'm not British. Three. Four, yeah, well, I got five, the German. Six, I got the German. seven. You <laughs> failed. It's failed. Off this cliff failed right it. Now. Okay, sorry. Let's save this for our interview with the folks from Jane Wants a Boyfriend. All right, let's do that. We're going. Hey, here we here we are. <laughs> We're. I'm just really really <laughs> delighted. I've got. This is kind of like a man on the street interview. I've got <laughs> Jared Jared Kerr. 
Uh, and I Hello, know, everyone. There you are. And I had the pleasure of meeting him and his team. Uh, who am I going to forget? Will, Will Sullivan, who is was the director of Jane Wants a Boyfriend. And I love Jarrett because he's as bent as I am. I happened to see his <laughs> first movie. And um, it's sick. Um, it's a little weird, but I loved it. But and it's almost stealing. It's almost stealing the show. Hey, how, how are you doing? So I am doing fantastic. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Or I guess not quite physically there, but you know what I mean. Here with you over the phone. Uh, yeah, doing great. Well, I'm actually at the moment. I'm uh, in Manhattan, New York City, at the Bryant Park Hotel, where Jane Wants a Boyfriend is uh, screening for a select group of people. And I just stepped out to do this interview, and uh, it's great to be here. How are you guys doing? We're good. Just super. The, uh, you know, we're totally, totally excited about Jane. So let's talk about how how you and Will connected. You know, this is your second production together, right? Yes, it's actually technically our third um, because we made a feature and then we made a, a short sort of mini-series slash short film between two features, and then we made Jane Wants a Boyfriend. Um, but, uh, yeah, Will and I, we met, actually. Uh, we both went to NYU, uh, Tisch School of the Arts, Stella Adler Studio, and Will was in the same exact uh, you know theater group as I was being trained. We didn't have much contact because there were so many students, and you only had so much time uh, in the groups that you were in to get to know everybody. And uh, Will is actually one of the only students, actually, I believe at the moment is the only student in the history of uh, NYU's uh, art school to do a double major in film and in theater. So uh, around my senior year, I wrote a play, Percival's Big Night, which, uh, as you said, uh, was my first film. I wrote it as a play, and I saw Will direct a fantastic uh, play, Reasons to be Pretty. It's a near Lebute play, and he put on a really nice production of it. And so I asked him, hey, will you uh, direct my play? And from there, it just, it just sort of happened. He liked the play. He wanted to make the movie. We shot the movie in my bedroom. And then, you know, we went to a festival. He said, what's next? And then uh, that's when I, I pitched uh, the project we're talking about now, Jane Wants a Boyfriend. So uh, it was a, just a very fortuitous uh, circumstance that uh, we happened to be in the same circles, you know? Well, you guys are obviously well, well matched. Now, just just... Just to kind of give you our point of view, um, Sophie and I happened to see Jane Wants a Boyfriend at the Napa Valley Film Festival, and I had heard that the the screening before that, you literally got a standing ovation from the crowd. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty incredible. We were showing at um, the Uptown Theater, um, in uh, which is in Napa Valley proper, I believe. Right, right, um, right in Napa. Yeah, and in the, yeah, right in the hard map. And we had uh, we had a really nice packed house. There's about 300 people there. And uh, as soon as the movie ended, standing ovation. And uh, I, I, that's the first. That's the first for me. I mean, people have always clapped at the screenings of whatever film I showed, but uh, it was a real standing ovation. And uh, you know, we were making our way to the stage. And then once we got up there, and Louisa, who plays Jane, uh, once she was up there, it just kept going. Uh, it actually took about I don't know maybe two minutes before the moderator to get everybody to settle down so we could start answer, answering some questions. Um, but yeah, the response in Napa Valley was absolutely astounding. Um, really wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, coming into that rippled, um, you know, through the crowd, all of the, the the film festival goers, and so I made sure to see it. But it also went on 
to win uh, was best narrative, right? Best narrative ensemble. I'm not sure. And we actually, yeah, we won best actress. As yes, well. and best actress for Louisa Krauss, who just killed it. God bless her. She stole every scene. So. Yeah, you know, since phenomenal. Now that we've hyped it to death, maybe you should tell the people <laughs> about the movie. Uh, well, yeah, uh, Jane Wants a Boyfriend. It's um, really was a labor of love for me. It came out of a place of I had uh, I had made my first film, uh, Percival's Big Night, which, as I said, uh, was a play first, and it was a very uh, male-dominated story. Uh, it's two. It's about two best friends and uh, how they're you know they're in love with different uh, you know perspective uh, love interests and. I really wanted to write something that was very strongly female-oriented. And uh, a dear friend of mine named Bianca, uh, she had told me one day about her sister, who is on the spectrum. Her name's Mary. And uh, Mary's older and had asked Bianca, I think I'm ready and I want to find a boyfriend. I'd like you to help. And as soon as Bianca told me that, I just said, well, there it is. That's what I want to write about. I just thought that was such a beautiful little moment. And it gave me a perfect opportunity to write from a female perspective and to do some research on a, a script. You know, it's not often that, you know, with a creative work, you have to necessarily research. It's something where you're going to be writing about an individual on the spectrum and you don't know necessarily how to put yourself in those shoes yet. It was a great opportunity to sit down and really do some research and uh, build the character. So, so I, uh, I wrote the script. And uh, as soon as Percival's Big Night was in its first screening out at this place called uh, Cinecrest in San Jose, California, that night we had a great screening and Will asked me over a beer, okay, what's next? And I told him Jane wants a boyfriend. And we started developing it right then and there. It took about two years before anything was really off the ground. Um, but yeah, it really, it really came from a place of, uh, uh, of, of love for the story because uh, it had a very personal connection with me between a friend of mine uh, and her sister. So... Uh, that's where it really came about. And, and uh, I want to clarify yeah, here a little bit here. When you say she's on a uh, was on a spectrum, you mean that she had Asperger's, correct? Uh, she's actually. Uh, I believe that Mary is actually um, autistic. Autistic. The thing okay. about the spectrum is that there's many different. You know, it's it's one of those things that's constantly changing the definition of really what what's what. But the spectrum, you could be uh, absolutely nonverbal, um, not able to communicate. Um, you know, physically harming yourself because you um, are so overwhelmed by sensation. You can be on that level where it's it's almost impossible to uh, you know to uh, operate in society, and then you can be much further along uh, where you're verbal. You can have a job, um, and but all of that is within the spectrum. And Aspergers is, is you know, people that are Aspergers call themselves Aspies, and are very proud of the fact that they're Aspies because it's. Uh, it's slightly different than autism itself. And now, as far as like, the scientific, why it's exactly different, I'm not quite sure. But from what I can tell is with Asperger's, people tend to be um, much more uh, communi- communicative and um, able to function in society. But they're very, uh, very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, individual when it comes to their interests. And they have a hard time socially and, uh, you know, not quite sure emotionally one to laugh or one to give somebody a hug if they're sad, things like that. Um, but my friend Bianca, who I based the, uh, the character Bianca, the script off of, um, her sister is actually autistic, not Asperger's. And in our film, uh, Jane has Asperger's. Right. Um, which was something I did because of the fact that people on, a, on the uh, spectrum, like I was saying, if you have Asperger's, um, you're usually uh, higher functioning. 
And uh, I wanted to make sure that whoever my lead character was, that it was believable for them to be doing all the things that James does. Right. Uh, as difficult as it is for somebody that has Asperger's, I still I, I wanted it to be believable. You know. No, I, the 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 role was played very well. So, essentially, you know, Jane is a real high functioning person with a, a yeah. bit of a disability and yeah. you know what and, i and yes louisa is phenomenal yeah yeah and you know what i found really interesting about it is her future boyfriend is is basically screwed up in his own way i mean he's yeah <laughs> you know he has just a bunch of social issues you know he's bouncing from girlfriend to girlfriend you know he's d- difficult to deal with but he also really talks about a lot of meaning to to life. Could you talk a little bit about soup? And it, you know what I mean. So <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, yeah. The the, the 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 whole the soup thing we're talking about here is that it's a sort of pivotal moment in the film where um, this character we've just been talking about, Jack. Uh, as you said, he's he's a little bit of a of a, a wild guy, um, still smoking and cussing all the time, and hanging out with uh, all sorts of different women and just kind of a goof, a goof, you know, and uh, what was really important to have this, this story really ring truthfully and to not rub anybody the wrong way, that character had to have a very strong turn where you genuinely believed and wanted him to change his ways so that he could find Jane and they could find each other. And so, like you were saying, is I, I, I molded this character who I felt you could believably see him being the type of guy that he is you know, catch lots of ladies easily, likes to have a lot of fun, but you can also see him being this sort of lonely, uh, feeling, feeling isolated uh, guy that's searching for something. So when it came time to have the turn for him so that he can, uh, you know, decide he wants to fall in love with Jane, it needed to be something that we could really see his inner, his inner workings and him struggling with that. And I didn't want it to be too much on the nose. I didn't want to write a monologue where he said, oh, I'm, I'm in love with this girl who has a, a mental disability and social disorders, and I don't know what I should do. And uh, so it's funny because I didn't quite know what that moment was going to be for quite a while. It wasn't until the last, the very last draft, right before he went to shoot the film, which at that point was like draft 10 or 11. It wasn't until then that I realized I have it right in front of me. The answer is right there. The guy is a chef, so he's going to talk about, you know, a dish that he's creating and how difficult it can be compared to other dishes, but how he likes the challenge. And uh, in my actual life at the moment, I had been making a lot of soups. <laughs> I like to make soup. So I had been making a lot of soups, and I had been talking to the director, Will, and we'd both been trying to figure out that moment. And I, I told him, you know, I want it to be about cooking. And uh, Will said uh, this one line that stuck with me. He said, yeah, we could just say that it's, it's easy peasy to cook spaghetti because you just drop it in the water and it's cooked. But something else, you know, takes more care. And uh, that's where the soup monologue came out. And... Uh, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I didn't realize until seeing the film with, with multiple audiences just how much people liked that scene and how much uh, it, uh, it spoke to people. And, um, yeah, I decided to sort of turn that monologue not only into Jack's examination of himself and, uh, you know, sort of this back and forth with him about Jane, but also just about life in general and how things that are difficult and that take more time and might seem scary are the things that you have to do. So that's where the monologue kind of, uh, that was the genesis of all that. Uh, no, it's, it, it, the soup is such a great analogy for life. Some things are just, you know, easy, 
but you know, exactly. then, then you got a parallel park and life just falls apart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which actually, believe it or not, I'm quite good at. I got a, I got a car here in Brooklyn, New York, and I got a parallel park every day, and I'm great at it. I'm, Some people, you know. <laughs> So, you know, I know you got a couple other projects in the work. Why don't you tell? What is it? The one about the chair? Am I doing that right? Yeah. Because I just tell yeah, me. No, let's talk about that real quick. No, there's a couple. There's a couple projects um, kind of in the pipeline right now. Uh, one of them, as you mentioned, is called uh, a chair named Sam, which is very near and dear to my heart. I, I wrote it when I was in college, and uh, I kind of sat around for a long time. I've been trying to convince Will, let's make the chair. And uh, I think early on he was a little nervous about it because it's very out there. It's very strange. But it's, uh, it's essentially a supernatural, dark comedy uh, romance about a couple that's trying for a baby and about to be married. And the uh, fiancé falls in love with an armchair. And uh, from there, it sort of takes on a slightly sinister Rosemary's Baby kind of vibe where uh, the, the uh, wife-to-be is worried that her husband is becoming possessed by this armchair and that it's warping his mind. It's very strange, uh, very funny, absolutely hilarious, but it's, it's really sort of a um, metaphor for the cracks in a relationship that can lead to a downfall. And in this circumstance, we decided the crack was going to be a piece of furniture. So that's, uh, that's one that we have in development. We're actually doing a reading of it. Um, and uh, I think about four or five days on the, on the 13th, we're going to do a, a reading with myself, uh, Gabe, who played Jack in the movie, the soup monologue gentleman, gotcha. and uh, Louisa, who played Jane. They're also going to—they're hopefully going to be in this one as well. So we're going to be doing a reading with them uh, to hear it out and to get the actors in the room. So that's coming up right now, uh, as well as a script that I actually just started working on in Napa uh, called *The Grow*, which is based off of my own personal experience of working um, on a medicinal marijuana grow as a farmer. Uh, which I did for six months. And when I was there, I thought, this is such a unique, strange time to write about, a thing to write about. No one else has done it yet. And this is this whole new industry that we're seeing happen right now. Um, so I decided to write a script about that. That's sort of a, that's a crime thriller about uh, two brothers who are both competing to, uh, in the marijuana trade, and one of them decides to, to rob his, uh, his own brother. And... Uh, very, very cool, funny uh, kind of crime thriller film that uh, that I'm also working on at the moment, which uh, Will is hoping to direct as well. So it's great. We got a couple projects we're trying to develop. It just takes time, you know. So we're getting the ball rolling as quickly as possible. You know, when you when you when you write, because you know I write a little bit and I get it. Can you kind of? figure out your budget as you're doing it i mean when you're writing you know you want to be totally creative but on the other side you go geez i don't think we can have no, a helicopter absolutely. land right here you know so no absolutely it's, it's actually really funny because that's uh as a, as a writer that's something that i do actually struggle with is writing from just a place of pure imagination whatever i want if i want something to blow up if i want an alien whatever i can do it and then also from the point of well um how can i actually realistically have this happen uh, that, that's that's definitely a struggle um, because you know you, you want to let your imagination go out there, but it also can be in a way very freeing to know. Okay, I can't write spaceships and I can't write tidal waves. I got to write a very intimate character film where you're sucked in because you like the characters and you like what they're saying. It has nothing necessarily to do with what's happening around them. Uh, it can be very freeing in a way because then you know 
this is what I got to do. I got to write a film that I can make for $50,000. That means three locations. That means six characters. That means no gunshots. You know, it, it's right. one of those things where it can be, it can be very nice. Um, but what I kind of do to, to sort of treat myself as a writer is uh, I'll write one thing that I know I can make, and then I'll write something that I go, okay, I like this a lot. It's probably going to sit on my computer for a decade, but one day, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I guess, I guess it's me trying to prepare myself for the day that hopefully some Hollywood guy knocks on my door and says, yo, we want to give you guys $60 million. What's the script? Then I can go, okay, well, here's the one that's sitting around. Um, but no, it's funny. You know, you were just saying the same thing as a writer. It's, it, it's difficult to, to force yourself to write something um, simply because the means to make it are easier. Sometimes it's difficult to say, shit, I want to write this other thing, but I can't. But like I said, it can also be really wonderful. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. You know, so let's, you know, as we finish up here, let's make sure we give all the right plugs. So if you want to w- watch Percival's Big Night, you go to... If you want to watch Percival's Big Night, you go on to iTunes, and you write Percival's Big Night, and it's right there. You can rent it or buy it. You can also go on to On Demand. Uh, it's funny, we are on On Demand, but uh, it doesn't. we don't show up. You have to search us by name. I don't know what that exactly means. <laughs> I don't know they're trying to hide us from people because they know we're so good. They do that uh, with Harry yeah, Potter as well. Big Night, yeah. You go right on On Demand, you write the name in. It's there. You go on iTunes, you write the name in. Uh, you can go to Percival'sBigNight.com if you want to check out some of the trailers and stuff like that. Um, but that's where you can see Percival. And uh, as far as Jane, yes. which uh, is currently still kind of doing some small festival screenings here and there, uh, we recently acquired uh, distribution from a really reputable, wonderful company called Filmbuff. And uh, come April, uh, right around when Autism Awareness Month kicks off, they're going to be releasing us um, on all sort of all platforms on demand, uh, Amazon, uh, iTunes, all that. As well as, ideally, we're actually meeting with them tomorrow to talk about this. Ideally, uh, some sort of limited theatrical release so we can get in some of those art house cinemas and, uh, uh, you know, do that as well. And then once that's out of the way, we um, ideally will then be on Netflix. Um, so come April, you'll definitely be able to see Jane as well. That's super. I also have a little game for you, if that's okay. Yes, please, please. I love. I didn't hear much from you, Sophie. I'm glad to hear. What's up? All right. So there's this little challenge type thing called the Seven Second Challenge. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's um, it was created by Amazing Phil on YouTube. Basically, you have to do something in seven seconds, and it has to be in- completely insane, and someone else has to challenge you, and. It gets weird. <laughs> um, but you're creative, and I know you're up for it. That's why I went. I sent her a little note. Second, seven-second challenge. He can do it. You know, I'll, I'll go for it. I'm, I'm on the street, so hopefully it's nothing too crazy where the NYPD comes over and tases me. But I'll, yeah. I'll do it. What's, I promise you'll challenge? just have to tell a weird story. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to challenge. I have to tell a I, oh, go ahead. I, I pro, uh, I'm going to challenge you the same thing I challenged my dad earlier because he completely failed. Thank <laughs> you. Um, in seven seconds, t- tell a story about the thing nearest you, and it's the reason for your death. If you want, I can start now. And, and it's the reason for my death, the thing nearest to me that is the reason for my death. Well, I happen to be just standing outside on the street outside of a Chipotle thinking about getting a gut-busting burrito, uh, when the little Chipotle sign, the little circular Chipotle sign with a jalapeno on it, just fell right off the side of the building and crushed my head in. 
And uh, sadly, I bled out on the sidewalk right in front of Bryant Park where all these people are looking at the trees and the lights, and, and uh, nobody really noticed me. So uh, they thought I was just a homeless guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's morbid or if that's good, but first thing I saw was the Chipotle sign above my head. So that's what I'm going to go with. You know what? It was more than seven seconds, but I'll let you go because <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, I, could, I couldn't help myself. Once I got into it, you know, the writer in me just wanted to keep going. <laughs> I thought for I thought you're for sure you'd be poisoned since everybody seems to be poisoned at Chipotle lately. But hey, I'm good with that. <laughs> That's true. I, I guess I guess said I wanted to get a Chipotle burrito and got a cola or something like that. But yeah. no, I went with the sign falling in my head. Now thought you, that was a little wrote, stranger, right? Yeah, you wrote per- Percival, so I know it's it, it had to be weird. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm laughing. Jared Kerr, thank you so much. You are a brilliant brilliant writer it was so much fun to talk to you and, and uh, enjoyed both both of the things i saw saw i'm looking forward you know and i want to know all about the chair and i want to see the sequel about the sofa you know <laughs> and then the widescreen tv okay but i can't true. i can't wait to share it with you man and i i, I truly appreciate the kind words uh it's, it, yeah, you're more than kind but i really do man and uh yeah, I can't wait to share something else with you guys, too. And please do stay in touch. You know, contact anytime. And it's been fun. It's been fun. Jared Kerr. Well, thank you. Jane wants a boyfriend. Look for it. April. Via video on demand. It'll be everywhere. Thank you, Jared. Yep. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. I loved him. <laughs> he was good. Wow, he was awesome. That was totally a great interview. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna, we'll have to tweet that out. It's, you know, we'll have to eat our tweeties, our Twitter eaties. Anyway, so um, hey, we've got a little special insert. Uh, you don't hear this much, but um, we're also going to have an interview of the uh, writer producer of Astrea, which we also saw at the Napa Film Festival. And our uh, sidekick and general manager Jeff Sheckman did the interview, and we're going to insert it right here. And um, and I know you'll enjoy it. Man, that was a great interview. You know, yeah. Jeff, thank God I know nothing about it. Jeff is totally brainy. If you didn't catch on, hey, but you know what time it is? It's time for rant of the week. It's still on my thing. You, you did your okay. I got to do that over. People, here we go. Sorry, go. Rant of the week. I apologize. <laughs> hey, what what can I say? You know what? I'm. I've had I've had many a rant, but this might be the rant of all rants. I think you say that every time. I think it's, it's a lie, but <laughs> okay. I, I'm going into uncharted territory because I know everybody loves Adele, and her song, her new song "Hello," has already sold three million copies, and she'll probably have 19 hits, even though there's only 12 tracks on there off the album. But I got to get this off my chest. Who the hell wrote Hello? Probably and, her. And why? If you listen to this song really close, it's about this woman who jilts a guy in her past, and now she's stalking him by the phone. Okay, she goes, here's the line. I've called you a thousand times, but you're never home. Hey, guess what? He doesn't want to talk to you. Get a clue. It's not the exact lyrics, by the way. He just roughly translated. That's close enough. Because I, I swear that because that's at the beginning of the verse, and then the other things at the end of the verse. What? Anyway, so 
And now she's going to keep bugging this guy. He goes, hey, I know I ruined your life before. Can I call you back and ruin it again? Because, hey, like, I'm not over ruining you. And <laughs> well, give me a second. Hold on. I'm going to actually look up the lyrics. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, her, and the line is, it clearly doesn't tear you apart that we've broken up a hundred years ago in a past life that you probably don't remember and you don't know who I am anymore or I'm a footnote somewhere in high school. Hey, give it up. Get over it. Get a life. Okay? I mean, really? Okay, I'm done. All right, but here are the actual lyrics that he was trying to... Okay, so it says... I don't care. <laughs> um, it says, uh, "I'm okay, hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm sorry for everything that I've done, but I will. But when I call you, you never seem to be home. Big surprise. Okay. At least I can say that I've tried to tell you I'm sorry for breaking your heart, but it doesn't matter. But it don't matter. It clearly doesn't tear you apart anymore. Harry, it's that Adele again. She keeps calling you. I know, honey. I, I, I can't help it. We're going to have to change the phone number so you know. No, if you do that, I'm going to have to change my business cards. We'll just have to deal with it. Well, okay. Also, also, there's this one part that I'm like, me. It says, hello, how are you? It's so typical to talk about myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all about me. Okay, Adele, we get it. <laughs> Can I sing for a second? Because that will make pe- more people listen. Not cocky or anything, but seriously. If you must. Hello. How are you? It's so typical of me to talk about myself. I'm sorry. I I started off with, uh, I started off on the wrong key, by the way. (laughs) And that is rant of the week. Also, that was me breathing in. I was like, ah. And, and that's our show. That's our <laughs> podcast this time through. Boy, it's been fun. Hey, and we forgot to mention FABA, Film Acting Bay Area. When you're serious about making a movie, filmactingbayarea.com. How can we forget about them? Emeryville. Emeryville, California. California. And, um, and so these will be posted shortly. <laughs> we hope you're doing well. My dad has suddenly turned into a 10-year-old boy. And I think we should go back to Chumba Wumba. I, I have to apologize really quick because I always talk about myself. I'm sorry. It makes a great line of a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hold on. Song. Story. Song story? Episode. Whose story? All right. And we are going now with Tub Thumping by Chumba Wumba.